Hi there, and welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. I'm your host, Jason DeLine, and this is the podcast where we listen to an influential, loved, hated, or rarely heard comedy album, and a panel of comedians, actors, writers, or other comedy fans talk about it. I wanted to take a minute and thank all of our listeners, and we have some from all around the world. We've got quite a few from the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Germany, Australia, Sweden, Norway, Israel, and even quite a few in India. So hello, everybody, and thanks for listening. Today's album is John Mulaney's Kid Gorgeous, live at Radio City Music Hall. We recommend you listen to the album or watch the Netflix special of the same name before going any further into this episode. John Mulaney was born in Chicago in 1982. When he was seven years old, he had the opportunity to audition for the role of Kevin in Home Alone, but his parents declined. In 2004, he graduated from the same school as his parents, Georgetown University, where he met fellow comedians Nick Kroll and Mike Birbiglia in the school's improv troupe. He spent six seasons as a writer at Saturday Night Live, having co-created the character of Stefan with Bill Hader, and became only the third writer to host the show without ever being a cast member. The other two were Conan O'Brien and Larry David. He's known for his detailed storytelling and confidence of a much older man. A Kid Gorgeous is Mulaney's fourth comedy special, airing on Netflix in 2018. Today's album was chosen by Toronto comedian Courtney Gilmore. She's on the podcast today as our featured guest. Also joining us in the studio is our producer Matt Ardill, a self-professed comedy nerd, and stand-up comedian Ryan Dillon. Once again, welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. Ryan, you were just telling us that you have an album coming out. You recorded in April out in Newfoundland? Uh, yeah, I recorded in Newfoundland, and then uh, it actually uh, went uh, horribly wrong. How so? <laughs> uh, the person I hired to do the audio just was it was a train wreck. The guy who claimed to be a audio guy was actually just a photographer but it's like two completely oh. different skill sets uh, yeah. bad. it was bad like i listened to it and my girlfriend had to like calm me down in my room because i was like freaking out because it sounded like it, it sounded like it was from an iphone like it was oh, so no. bad but we did it at the second city uh in august at the john candy box theater and it went great and it's oh. coming out uh this month it's called uh, violently nice did you change anything after the no performance I, the, I did, uh, honestly i listened to it and like Honestly, you thought it was perfect. Uh, you were loving it. <laughs> I was thinking, my God, in my hometown, what a great sounding show I can't use. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, honestly, I didn't change much. Like, Did you maybe, say hello, Newfoundland in the, in the yeah, Toronto yeah, one? Yeah, no, I said uh, hello, John Candy, not Newfoundland. <laughs> uh, uh, but no, I didn't change much. I was really happy with how it did there. And uh, if anything, I thought the John Candy set, I'd argue it was the better one because uh, when you go back home and people have seen you from before... They've, you know, you see, hear a joke for the first time. It's so funny. And then when you hear it for the second time, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that joke. Right. Where, and when I did the John Candy, I partnered with Ian Alice, who does Empire Comedy. Sure, yeah. And he used his resources to pull in a crowd. And uh, nice. a lot of them in the audience never seen me before. So they were hearing those jokes for the first time. And I'd argue that uh, uh, it was a blessing in disguise because awesome. uh, I, I prefer the, the cut at John, at John Candy. It's funny, though. It's sort of a double-edged sword, right? Because you, if you're doing something like an album for the first time, yeah. you want all the support of your friends and family. And the, yeah. You know, the people who you want in your corner who you know will laugh and clap and all yeah. that so you probably felt all that but then you got over that yeah and you were ready to just speak to strangers yeah for the- <laughs> and honestly i know so many people in the city like a lot of the yuck yucks crowd when they do their album recordings they'll do it like at like 
just like the Vancouver Yucks that they're not mm-hmm. even they've never only done twice and but it's because they've never seen them before right. they're like that's the crowd like and yeah. it's like that's really at the end of the day it's just getting the best reaction so yeah, yeah. So it's a definitely a blessing it's cool man yeah. congrats can't thanks, wait to hear it yeah thanks bud uh, and Courtney you have a monthly show yeah. Called So Fresh and So Clean. So Fresh and So Clean. Tell us about that. It's a, it's a monthly show at Comedy Bar. It's clean comedy, clean-themed uh-huh. comedy. Um, we're three years running now, so it's me and Noor Hadidi. We got to produce it, and it's, it's pretty fun. What's pretty the uh, what's the idea behind I mean, it seems obvious what it is, but yeah. you felt like there was an audience for it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still, even after three years, we're still sort of like pulling in our audience like we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out like who is it is it moms is it <laughs> is it churches is it, you know there's like so many different people um right. who like appreciate clean comedy but like yeah there just wasn't like a steady clean comedy show in toronto before this one and it's just a good place to like for comedians to workshop their mm-hmm. showcase material or if they're oh, going to yeah. be on tv or corporate gigs and they can't swear and they're they want like a room where they can like exclusively perform to people who are expecting that then it's just right. a cool do you find that show people do you have people on who don't do it normally and it's yes. sort of a challenge for totally. them? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It's a really good writing challenge. And the funny right. thing is, I find that there are, like in Toronto, we have not many people, I don't know if you would say, would like define themselves as a clean comic. I can't even yeah. think of anyone off the top of my head who like right. specifically. But the ones who like, who come to mind as typically performing clean they're the ones who slip up on the show and the dirtiest <laughs> comics kill with like their squeakiest material really? which is really interesting because i think they're really proving to themselves that they can yeah. do it and they're just yeah. like putting the work in and uh it's really cool to well see. yeah i've seen time and time again that people you can get a laugh once in a while with a swear word being yeah. a punchline but totally if you see it written there's not really anything to it it's sort of it's a really yeah it's ways. really interesting because yeah. there are some jokes even of mine where i feel like a good old-fashioned swear word re- it needs it like it's yeah. a good swear punch. in the show by the way if you yeah, if yeah. You these examples this <laughs> is yeah. not a great show out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh, you know when people use it sparingly too it, mm. you really feel that punctuation yeah uh whereas if it's every other word it sort of becomes just noise right yeah yeah, yeah, it's a good writing challenge, if anything. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it makes complete sense that the dirty comics who do do squeaky clean do really well because a lot of people think it's really easy to write dirty jokes, but it really mm. it's not. No. You it's have not. to be really smart joke, because yeah. you can go up and be like, I'm gross and whatever. Yeah. And then like, people are going like, to get the, you're going to get the cheap laugh. But like yeah. some of the best joke writers in the city, in, in the country, I think are considered dirty comics because they have to be clever. They can't yeah. just go up and right. use the crutch that is being gross and dirty, but they have to actually write like, like, like Tyler Morrison is probably, yeah. I consider one of the darkest, dirtier comics in the city yeah. in terms of like his, yeah. you know, he's very much like a, a roast comic but like right. his yeah. joke writing is sharp. sharp it's, it's so smart. sharp and right. smart so i could see him doing your show yeah. and being like super clean and that's the best part too is because you can't you don't have to be you can be dark and clean mm-hmm. there's no like oh, so what defines clean then for the well, show the thing is we're always learning with that. <laughs> <laughs> what the parameters are like you really you, running this show has really opened my eyes to like how subjective it is like some right. comics will be like yeah i have for sure have five to seven minutes polished mm-hmm. clean and then you watch them and you're like Really? You thought that was yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, there's some great innuendo in, you know, G rated sitcoms from oh, the eighties yeah, totally. too, right? So do you guys still well, embrace so we, that or we have like some parameters that we set because we want to we do want to establish a theme and we do want people to come knowing that it's a clean theme. Right. Um so we just say like no big swears, no fuck, no like 
explicit sexual content. Um, beyond that, if it's like TV appropriate, then that's pretty much what okay. we do. But we're trying to get people... sorry, sorry. We're trying to get a little squeakier just because comics love to be rebellious, and so I, we want to like say, yeah. we want to kind of give get, make sure they're not towing the line too much. But the thing right. is, yeah, like Ryan said, like there's joke writing is not easy in general there's plenty of bad dirty comedy and there's plenty of bad clean comedy yeah, like right. really bad cringy clean <laughs> yeah. jokes like it's yeah. not like a moral it's not like a moral um superiority thing right. um that like clean is automatically better it's just right. like what can you do that's you know maybe challenging to you or yeah well better and, for know, different audiences a, a lot of times laughter comes from people being uncomfortable right yeah so if you keep people comfortable <laughs> maybe they're not laughing as much yeah. like you know I, when i think of clean comedy i think of puns that makes me make me want to pull my hair out you know? right you know, yeah, like, yeah of course like, yeah. Know, if someone says what's your favorite clean joke i i can't think of one but if someone says what's your favorite joke it might be clean yeah yeah it, exactly it's just thinking in that it's way those labels sort of, are so cuz even yeah. if someone would be like what's your favorite dirty joke i'm like oh okay you want some stupid yeah. dick limerick yeah. <laughs> or something like what is, that what but, is your favorite do you have a favorite dirty joke I probably That's do. I yours. can't think of it off the top of my head. But That's funny what you're saying about like it's sometimes the comedians will be on stage and like they'll be at the last joke and they'll do that. Like, so what do you guys want to hear? You want to hear a clean joke or yeah. a dirty right. joke or something? And everyone always goes, Yeah, dirty. dirty. Like no one's ever been like clean or dirty. Like, oh you're squeakiest, my good sir. Yeah, yeah. My mother's here. Like, it's just a weird industry. A literary reference, please. <laughs> yeah. I've written I've read books. Prove it to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any jokes about still? Yeah, yeah. Some good cheese, <laughs> fine cheese jokes. Yeah, yeah. that's really true. Uh, I, I do love fun. your show because it is good practice for showcases. You always kill that the show. I, I, I love doing because yeah, there's also fun. for me though, like I would consider myself a cleaner guy. Yeah. But I've done your show and I went, oh, I that's not as now that I think about it. Yeah. Like just, but it's just funny how that perspective of just yeah, yeah. and we do get more sometimes we get audiences that are a bit more reserved and conservative and yeah. so you think that right. you're like gonna kill with this joke and they'll just it won't land as well and I'm like don't sabotage yourself to be right. rebellious you know like you yeah. want to have a good set we want you to have a good set you know right. I also so. find your show a really good lesson in people looking for a product because like mm-hmm. if you because like you said there are probably cons- mm-hmm. more conserved people and more reserved yeah uh, reserved sorry who want to experience comedy but they're not comfortable with dirty material but they go yeah. i'm gonna oh this is advertised to me as right. a consumer this is gonna be a clean show so when you go and pay for that so yeah so it is frustrating when you get the rebellious <laughs> yeah. comic that's like i'm gonna do this and be like <laughs> clever and do you you're get like, a lot of yeah, people totally. going like you know what i mean like <laughs> is that in, in a lot of people's sets that they're just trying to force the innuendo like Oh yeah, you mean people get really creative for sure. Right. That could be really fun too. Yeah, but I totally mean, fun. Uh, yeah, you get the whole spectrum of people doing uh, clean comedy. So it's yeah, fun. I like the name of it too. Like uh, there, there are so many shows out there these days where you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like Change Purse, the show, the best show ever. <laughs> like okay, if you say so. I own a purse. Uh, <laughs> it's for you, Ryan. Yeah, that yeah, show yeah. is for you. <laughs> well, that's great, guys. Uh, cool. So yeah, these guys are both have lots of things going on, and uh, we're here today to talk talk about the album Kid Gorgeous live yes. at Radio City Music Hall by John Mulaney. I think, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the most recent album we've done on the show. Yes. This is the by far, I think, oh, nice. probably by a good 10 years, Yeah, I think uh, the good. newest show we've done. Patton Oswalt, uh, his Werewolves and Lollipops would be the second. That was early 2000. Yeah, this is like a year old, if that. Not I mean, even. Uh, even. May yeah. of this year yeah. it yeah. dropped. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when it recorded. 
Um, it was last year. Well, he, they just won an he just won an Emmy for it, did, so it's yeah. got to be within the past. But yeah, uh, past twelve months. Daytime Emmy, but still in it. I'll take a daytime Emmy. I'll take a three o'clock like in the morning. A, Emmy. Is it a smaller statue? You think? Or, uh, <laughs> daytime? I, yeah, daytime. It is chocolate. It's, it's, chocolate. it's, it's a keychain. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so Courtney, this was your pick. Uh, I love this album so much. Yeah, I'm tell so us why. Excited. It's just, I, it's like structurally genius to me. I just find mm. it so brilliant. I've watched it like 56 times. I watched it today again, just to like refresh. Mm. Um, I probably by now know the variation of colors in the backdrop that are always changing. <laughs> like, it's, I just awesome. love it. I just find, I love his finesse. Like, I think I'm very drawn to his style, like just really good structured jokes. And, mm. uh, they're so not clean like, like clean comedy but clean like uh you know like clean cut like yeah like very yeah. like polished like there's no like fat every, on it, there's there's no so fat on it. every word is there for a reason yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I listen to the album versus the special yeah like, and it's you know a lot of spe- like i did we did uh live at the met with ron williams and there's a yeah. ton of stuff that just doesn't work mm-hmm. in the album mm-hmm. but with in this there's nothing cut yeah like, it, there it is beat for beat second for second the yeah. exact same as what you get on netflix and and that just speaks to that like these are these are finely tuned jokes yes where he knows every beat when it's going to land yep. and how to land that and yeah. it's fast like you fast. you never get bored but it's well paced yep and uh and it's a nice length it's like 60 minutes it's uh, i think the the exact is 63 with the music on either side yeah. but i mean mm-hmm. an hour is a really nice length to me for a comedy yeah. album and some people with their specials really wear out their welcome yeah. with a 90 minute two hour yeah. you, know, you just don't want to laugh that long it was like old guard would be like like you listen to older albums and they'd be like two hours or an hour and a half and you'd hear about like you know some people doing like long shows and but people would say like well we loved it we were engaged but like it's so funny i think feel like sometimes now with like the way we obtain and retain information now like like shorter videos and like clips True. and like stuff that it's like the idea of like and sometimes I know people can't even sit through an hour and a half show of comedy bar. And it's just mm. like, yeah. so it's funny how like a 60 minutes, I also agree is like a nice clean, like that's where you're like the money for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're all agreed on that. <laughs> um, so, so uh, yeah, you mentioned that you uh, like, uh, you mentioned the colors in the background. So oh, I'm just driving yes. two by fours. Yeah. Oh, can we uh, talk about just, cause well, okay. The, the I, you made a good, uh, like I didn't listen to, I haven't listened to the, like I've only watched the, the special mm-hmm. and um, I really liked, and I've had this discussion because I have friends who are John Mulaney fans who don't think that this is his, is his best special. Mm-hmm. And I can, I know. Right. Oh, and I like, yeah. I like having those conversations cause I, it just proves like how varied people's tastes are so it's not mm. like you're wrong it's just like right. it shocked me just because to me i love it so much that i can't even register in my mind <laughs> that i love new in town and i like right. uh, com- comeback hidden stuff but this one was just like so flawless to me um but yeah so at radio city music hall i was worried that that venue um would like swallow him yeah. a bit yeah. but i really liked the cinematography even it's i was beautiful. even tweeting while i was watching it for the first time i was like i can't believe i'm s- talking about the cinematography <laughs> of a comedy <laughs> special but i like the way it panned across yeah. i like the way it zeroed in on him and came out and i like the backdrop and like everything about but it also I him i mean him, yeah. he, he surprised me in how much he owned that entire yeah. stage yeah, he just he like throwing the stage yeah, yeah he really yeah. makes use yeah. of the entire uh, width of that that's yeah. the most i've ever like, seen throwing that throwing that epi pen 
I don't know if you watched um, Aziz Ansari's uh, special at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That swallowed him. That to yes. me yeah. was like yeah. tinny. It was just like, this is so much bigger than you. Like, it's especially something yeah. so bombastic in his yeah. presentation. It just, it sucked the air out of it. It sucked the air out yeah. of it. And I'm like, and yeah. he's a very high energy comic and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that venue was like, I don't know. It's in too intimidating. But this mm-hmm. just felt the complete opposite. The occasion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and it all sort of suited his style. Like it felt very old fashioned and bright, really but fashioned. there's also the darkness, like that weird sort of short film. It's almost like a a Lynch film that starts the thing yeah. with that woman taking him up the elevator yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. Like yeah. it's dark but bright, and that sort of fits him too because he's got such a youthful energy. But some of his material is very dark as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I, I yeah. just feel like the whole bookend of that really fit well with his sort of sensibility and. Yeah, he does like a, he kind of reminds me of like an old like like a jazz singer in the forties. Yeah. Like he's very like yeah. like even like you can tell his influences are Seinfeld and like the people like the ones that we've all listened to because he'll wear a suit like yeah. even when yeah. he's doing Letterman right. or like even like a festival he'll wear a full suit yeah. and he'll do like yeah. a proper intro of music and he'll like start right away with it. He won't be like, "How are you guys doing tonight?" He just yeah. starts with a joke yeah. and it's like he you can see his influence and in just not in just the way it dresses, but even in, like you said like the stage like it had a very like uh, Frank Sinatra fifty. Mm-hmm. like the like the light changes well, his comedic like, influences even go back further than that i mean yeah. he uh he recently talked about his favorite comedy albums and one was a nichols and may album yeah mm-hmm. uh and i think nichols and may was that her first that's no, al- her first, her first album. album was an uh was their first album their- but their second album uh is one of john mulaney's top 10 mm-hmm. and uh, i found it interesting hearing him talk about that because they're very much like they all they wore suits and dresses and things and they had that formality about the comedy and like he to me is sort of a, a caffeinated dark hearted vaudevillian he, mm-hmm. he's, he's got that style we were talking about that earlier he's kind of got that cat skills he reminds me of billy crystal a lot but with a, a little <laughs> yeah, bit yeah, more yeah. of a modern sensibility and, yeah, and energy that's a good comparison i think yeah, he's just got he's, got he, like he's a priest performing he's tiny, a, though kind of yeah also has that always been his cadence? Like yeah. it fits him very well. I, I go, but it I, seems more exaggerated, though. It, it seems In like as we find sure. it, like this yeah. seems to be the ultimate expression of yes, John Mulaney, the character yes, of John yes. Mulaney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, he does a lot of other character work. Like you watch him in the Kroll Show mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. you know, too much oh, too hello. Hello. Oh, hello. Yeah. So he does, but this is very much that sort of like Stephen Colbert as Stephen Colbert on the Colbert Report. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, this yeah. is to a degree maybe a bit of an exaggeration but because it seems to progress with each special it and does. each album. Yes, I think, I, yeah. yeah, I think part of that has to do with like uh, uh, like coming from SNL as like a writer and like having this pedigree and mm-hmm. he clearly wanted to be a stand-up that he jumped into like his first special oh sorry a cat just walked in and I, 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 I thought it was a ghost <laughs> oh, I've never been so upset been so happy so fast in my life I'm like oh, oh. ghost oh cat like, but there hasn't been a cat in this building for 25 years there's a cold spot ghost cat um, I feel like with his first uh, his first special it was like something to kind of prove like he needed to sh- like he was him working his best at like trying to be this perfectly crisp comedian telling jokes coming out in this suit and like producing an album and producing that special and then the net but like as each one comes out he's more comfortable with the success that he has that he's got that kind of like that uh, that thought in his head like okay I've done this already yeah. now well, I can when, have more fun with really it now struck I can be me about I this one was I feel like in the first couple of specials he talks about being a nervous kind of sweaty person and mm-hmm. awkward and stuff and you believe it but in this one 
he's he seems like he has a new confidence. Yes. Like he's not yeah. he's not ashamed in these stories. He's almost proud of them. And yeah. he really takes command of that whole place. You guys will listen to what I have to say, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. You know, he's, he's also a little angrier in this one. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a bit like the not pro- like aggressive, but like no, just some of the way he approaches some things. Like he's oh, just like, what the hell? Yeah, the, hor- the horse in the hospital. Of course. Yeah, like, the horse in the hospital. performance. Yeah, like now it's the most like starting with the gazebo bit. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. which transitions into the horse novel is like that's the most self-controlled angry political yes. rant and that just makes it that much better because when somebody starts yelling or getting mm-hmm. angry mm-hmm. it's oh, like yeah. oh okay i can i guess even it's if so you're on board from- it, it, it you d- detach from it but he just keeps the pace mm-hmm. so you're yeah. always laughing but that just makes it sink in that much better yeah and it's like it's it's just completely refined his his voice to the point where he can just really nail the well, we're at an age too now where we're all yelling all the time yeah. and now for a voice to break through i think they have to have a calm about them yeah. and you know yeah. uh, bill maher and dennis leary are sort of and and hicks bill hicks are the uh, sort of the old style of you gotta listen to me and get mm-hmm. through yeah. and now it's well i've got the microphone i know you're gonna mm-hmm. listen to yeah. me so you know i don't have to yell at you yeah. and uh it comes across much more nuanced it, you know it's a lot it's like when you're at a show where like the crowd is very rowdy like you're at a, mm-hmm. like a, a club show where everyone's really drunk and, and you're like you almost got to you start talking faster and you get really loud but then what that causes everyone else starts getting louder because they want to keep talking to drown you out but if mm-hmm. you just like start whispering yeah just start talking you force you know, them to it, listen. it puts everyone this like oh like like because you know it's all of a sudden like they feel themselves be rude you know what yeah, i mean yeah. so it's like by being like a restrained voice of talking about something that's frustrating so many people it makes people listen and yeah. it takes confidence to do that oh yeah because you have to believe that people will stop and listen to you mm-hmm. whereas mm-hmm. i think maybe earlier john mulaney was like please listen to me I, oh, I don't look at me too closely well, I, mean, he, I mean that's part of the act yeah, but, uh, but i mean to a degree he was never on camera when he was at snl he was a writer and there's a, there's a hierarchy there then i mean mm-hmm. if, if you, I have a suspicion if you know you, if you're camera ready, they're gonna put you on camera. Like look at Leslie Jones, who you know they, she she was hired as a writer, was on the show. I think he probably was that timid guy, and maybe t- it took the time to find himself. At least he almost I, yeah. These days, it almost seems like he writes a voice that doesn't quite suit who he is. <laughs> In real life, but he's—I think—he's grown to match that voice. Like, the confidence has has gotten stronger, or something. Last year's JFL Forty Two, he um, did a—he he was one of the headliners, and uh, he did a before, like he did a little not a meet and greet, but one of the comedy con yeah. interview things. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a welcoming human being. Like he came right. out, he's just friendly. You know, it's yeah. just, you, you, yeah. you, you get that energy from him. Like, there's some people who are, like, you know, kind of tough, kind of like I saw another comedian and who I, who I quite like, and it's just like, oh, I, I, you're not the energy I expected off of He's you. He's got a delicateness yeah. to yeah. him, and I feel see, like... He seems graceful. Uh, yeah, I feel like he was yeah. raised in a house where you put things on coasters or doilies, <laughs> and, like, I feel like he <laughs> likes that. And yeah. your father calls you a Nazi for not getting yeah. up off the bench. <laughs> But I believe yeah. he alphabetizes his records, you know, like yeah. he just seems like an organized sort of neat. Del- yeah, very, very neat. And and he he seems he's he's sort of stuck in time. Like we we talked about, he's got that old fashioned delivery, but he also looks very boyish, but sort of seems to have the way he talks about his personal life of a much older man. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just this sort of anachronistic person, and that's part of the charm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I also like. 
you know, he has, he has these, these great stories and, and that, that rhythm to his jokes. Um, but then he'll also stop and have a little aside of a, of like a little smirk. Like there was a, there's a little aside in there where he was talking about talking to a friend and, and he said, and while they were talking, I was just yeah. waiting for my chance. Yeah, to talk. yeah. And that just wasn't really part of the story, but it was just this fun little comment on He's people very in general. He's good at that. I he has that. a lot so of that. Succinct. Yeah, but it's, or like throwaway like, lines, like yeah. well, not even throwaway, but like they like even one of his punchlines when he was talking about the Nazi, his dad calling him a Nazi, and, his, and then my mom said I made a salad with craisins, and then that's the end of the yeah. joke. Yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> you know, and, and like. like the, the tossway lines too like because there's the the bit when he's talking to jj bittenbinder mm-hmm. and he's like and he can you know estimate the cost of a child's yep. coffin and oh, and then that, but it was just funny mm-hmm. but what really brings it home is that you know once this go you once you write that yeah, it, it goes in your in set nobody laughs but it stays in your set yeah and mm-hmm. like I, i'm butchering it but Right. That just like that was like an inside comedy joke. That yeah, that yeah it's not even works. really a joke. That's what's it's really like interesting about that. Yeah, punctuation. Yeah. It's making it okay that that last horrible thing just yeah. happened, yeah. sort of thing. When he's in that, I think it was a, I think it was new in town where he, he has a line. He goes, and so I lied to them. You know, like a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a like, but it's like a statement of fact. Like it's not yeah. really a silly joke, but it's just like a, a fun point of view of what that means of, of just a way to pronounce. It's like he looks at like. Anytime he looks at a point where there's new information added to the audience, he can has a comment on it, whether it be in context of the joke or a non sequitur that just like somehow mm. still works in the world that he's created. And it's just like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things. Cause that's why he's just so like, it's just pop, 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 that, pop. That interests me so much about how he does those asides and non sequiturs. He, he doesn't sort of mumble them like a lot of comedians do where it feels like a throwaway. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've said the word throwaway, but he doesn't, approach them that way no. he will say them make sure you hear yeah, these asides yes. and it's it's odd uh, but he makes it work yeah. he's got the confidence like that this was, is funny yeah this. he's like uh the one story i think this is the same story where he's like uh so i was having dinner with my parents because i was at i was at the dinner table because i was seven and i had to be yeah just elevates that little bit of truth yeah uh i just like to say like the uh did any of you ever see the J.J. Bittenbinder? So it used to be on, on public television, Yeah, his videos back then. I, yeah. I actually, as soon as he started talking, I was like, I know who he's talking about. Like, it's just... Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. That was my first time hearing it. Yeah, I, I didn't know of him, but I saw after the special came out, people were like, oh, we found footage of J.J. Bittenbinder, and there was like a whole article. So I... Yeah. I and it's a spot-on impression. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that. You have to look it up. It's very... It's I haven't very, seen that. That yeah, sounds it's awesome. I, I grew up excited. Just growing up, I was like, I know the videos he's talking did you, about. Did you see them in school? No, on PBS. Oh, they're on, they're okay. On, That's wow. so cool. I want to yeah. see that. He's a character. Real, yeah. 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 I, it's I so, like that. When I was... Uh, <laughs> Watching this special uh, for the second time recently, I had to look up and see, and I saw that. Um, so, Mulaney was born in August of 1982, and that's about five years after me. And I realized when I was watching the special that he was talking about it seemed like my exact experience, like having people come to uh, school and talk about how they had a hard life and like, you can be a good person and all this mm-hmm. stuff like bitten binder. I didn't have him, but people like that. And um, 
I realized a lot of the, even the pulp, pop culture references uh, he was uh, mentioning, like it felt like a, a part of uh, time that hadn't been talked about a lot by s- some comedians. And I feel mm-hmm. like it, we're now at the point where we talk about our experiences in, mm-hmm. in a more personal way. But I feel like there was a gap there where we didn't. And what I realized was he was he was saying it in like a a, a modern voice, like not people of. I don't want to say my generation. I'm not that far removed, but it felt like a fresher take on this material that I hadn't heard. What I what I kind of realized was this guy kind of feels like my younger brother. He mm-hmm. feels like if I was in high school, he would be the guy five years younger tagging along and we're seeing this through his perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was just really interesting for me to sort of have my my experience told through a younger person's lens. Yeah. And uh, it's like it's it's like an unidealized nostalgia. Like he's talking about a period <laughs> yeah. of time without like, you, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, the eighties were so awesome. They, they weren't like, yeah. I was there. They weren't that great. <laughs> people had a lot of terrible hair and way too much neon. Uh, but it's like, he's, and that wasn't everybody either. In no, all the it wasn't. Movies, it's like, every like everybody has like, this, glow, epi- but... this epic hair yeah. and, and no. like giant hoop earrings and the like. It's Most like, of us were stuck in the seventies for the entire eighties. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's what he's like, everything he says is so accessible. Like even when he's going super dark, even when he's like being really, you know, really blue in his material, it doesn't feel exclusionary. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like it's accessible. And if, if, if you may not have had that exact experience, you had something similar enough where you're like, Oh, I can relate to that. And that, that that's a real skill. Mm -hmm. It's all very accessible. He's a great storyteller and yeah, anybody can laugh whether they've had the experience or not. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think whether or not you relate directly to like the experience of speakers coming in for a school assembly, it's like he really sets up that child adult dynamic, like the disconnect mm. between them so well. Mm-hmm. Like just, I, I laughed so hard and probably watched this a million times the part where he's talking about the woman who comes in with straight gray yes. hair. That reminds me of Sunday school and church. Yeah. Like that was that woman, but it could be any, like that's everyone had some kind of experience like that where yeah. like all the kids like no matter like what group of kids you were in and if you were bullied or you were the bully the idea that like an adult who is more of a nerd than any of you and you all sort of like <laughs> formed an alliance to make fun of that person is yeah. so relatable on so many levels that's I think. a funny idea that maybe the school even knew that and that they just hired losers <laughs> to come to yeah, make us feel better about ourselves really <laughs> that's so funny to really that's unify great. them yeah. I remember uh uh, learning something very the only thing I remember about learning about how to protect yourself or self-defense or anything is that if someone tries to grab you or touch you is to poo your pants because oh, when yeah. you're terrified mm-hmm. apparently it turns to diarrhea oh that was that's oh, the wow. only thing I remember I, I, say, I, I prefer JJ Bittenbinders get a $50 bill and throw it away throw it in the gutter well, that, I, that's a much less that, that was much harder to come by back in, <laughs> when I was a boy I, luckily it never came into practice I never <laughs> had to, sorry, and I still don't know if that's true if 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 diarrhea happens when you're scared I don't know I just love the idea of a bunch of kids hearing that advice going yeah no that makes complete sense I think more people should try it I think, I think we get out of a lot of bad situations if we just can I just say when I was in elementary school that so that whole bit reminded me of an assembly where we had a guy come in and when I think about it now in retrospect and realize it was more bizarre than I was 
absorbing at the time but this guy who was like really like disheveled like like (laughs) dirty shirt untucked and like really like messy looking guy and he was talking about i think it was like under the guise of um standing up against male violence no no but violence against men or something like that which is a worthy cause but when i think about it and i remember what he was saying and he was so angry i was like that guy was a men's rights activist. Like, for sure. like that's like, wow. absolutely what he was. We just didn't have a name for it. And I remember him being like, like shouting a lot, being really angry at women. And I was like, oh, wow. and I remember thinking, I'm like, he seems to be talking about something that's like good inherently, but he seems yeah. contradictory. Yeah, there's yeah. something slanted. There. What vice principal was like, this guy makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, no, he just had a divorce and it was really not happy. Yeah. That's exactly. He looked like a stereotypically freshly divorced, bitter guy. Freshly divorced Freshly is my divorced. favorite two words put together in this podcast. And I appreciate that you guys at least somehow learned something because what I had, we had a guy called the three-legged policeman. And oh no! And he, when I was in grade school, it was like grade two or three, and it's, and, there's, and it's funny because I only bring him up now because. Uh, he was this three-legged policeman. That was the whole performance. Was he had a song and dance routine? And he was a policeman. And what, what he did was he had one arm down between his coat and would reveal a third leg. And he had like, this dance routine. And we didn't learn anything. Like I don't remember anything. I don't remember being different after that. But then years, like like two years ago, a year ago, my girlfriend and I were in Newfoundland, and, and we were like got in a cab, and we're just talking about like, well, how school did you go? To? I went to Bishops. I went to Saint Augustine's. Like, oh, Saint Augustine's. I was like, yeah, great school. I was like, oh, I used to work there sometimes. Sometimes I go, I was a three-legged policeman, and I was like, no way. And I was like, and now he's driving cabs. And I was like, like, man, I just were, and we didn't really follow up, but I I wanted to know so much more about his life. There's so many questions. I know. My mind is reeling. Like, I can't imagine how that could be helpful. To have I don't know, dancing, but I like to think that singing. that cab was was a uh, shift and had three pedals, and he was using three legs to drive <laughs> the entire time. But so you met like a policeman, so a cab like, driver who was an ex. He was a policeman, and he would go to schools to teach stuff about like safety. But I don't remember. I remember, yeah, I remember him talking about something. But then the dance routine happened. But it was like okay, <laughs> the dance routine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, everyone was like, "How'd you get that third leg?" Like because we were all yeah. young. Like that was the part. Like, of course, that's and what you remember. I don't know. I don't know. It was so bizarre. <laughs> so he may, he may have been like teaching, just saying no to drugs. It could have been that. But, like, but who knows? But that well, third leg just blanks out. Yeah. Yeah. The third leg came out. All I take away is look out for. Three-legged policeman. Yeah, like, I, I didn't learn much in math, but it definitely wouldn't help if she, if she just started juggling with the with a fourth arm. And I was like, "Yeah, my math was a pretty good juggler." I was like, "I don't remember what we learned though, because that all that stood out to me." It was so bizarre. It's kind of sad, but for a policeman to come to a school and talk to children about safety, they have to have a gimmick to get in the door. Yeah, they can't like they can't just come up and just do the job. Like, yeah. it's like everyone's just like it's not important enough. The auditions or like the the friggin' interview, and it's like, yeah, but I have a third leg, and he's oh, like, you're well, hired. Yeah, like, extra limbs. <laughs> so bizarre. That's so bizarre. Oh man, but yeah, he he does tap into like a nostalgia with a lot of his jokes. That's not direct, but he's not like you guys remember N sixty four. Yeah, he does it's, like a, it's never have you ever noticed or no. did you experience? It's always here's my experience, and he, you laugh he at it or you relate it. to it as yeah. opposed to like pigeonholing you to to be like a tapping into like you know cheap nostalgia, which mm-hmm. is easy I, to I do. Big Mouth is kind of a lot like that as well. Yeah, and like, yeah it's, the cartoon it's like, he's yeah. voicing. Yeah, yeah it's like he, it's him and Nick Kroll. Yeah. Who, yeah created it right i love big man and, and yeah like the two of them it's just very it's they're it's supposed to be set now but it's timeless and it's right 
More wood. Just more wood. More wood. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's timeless. But it's just like those are as gross and as inappropriate as those kids are. Yeah. That's kind of how I remember kids thinking. You know, like this that kind of confused. Ah. Sure. It goes but, actually like, goes back to Courtney's show. I think about, about mm-hmm. being like. Remember we said like you can be. It's 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 harder to write dirty jokes because you have to be mm-hmm. smart and clever. Like if yeah. you were to tell me that Big Mouth was a show about puberty <laughs> about and it was all mm-hmm. done through dick jokes and stuff like that, I would be like, I'm not watching this. But like, it's such a smart it's show. Smart. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny and it's so smart. It pushes it's, the limits too. Like it, yeah. it's really smart that they have adults playing the kids because they say things that we would never allow child no. actors to say, but they have that experience that those children can relate to. Yeah, which, which is kind of cool. And the messaging is like you. Th- it feels like it's going to like on the surface, it looks like, Oh, this is going to be a joke that's you know going one way. And it goes, it, the actual intent and it pulls it off is the exact opposite. It's like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is kind of you know gross or mean or nasty, but it's, it really does a good job of highlighting. Yes. That character is gross and mean and nasty. And you're laughing at yeah. it. You're, it punches in the right direction. Well, it does a good job of, I think, balancing the fact that, you know, kids going through puberty are kind of obsessed with, sexual things but they're also innocent and sweet at the same time and mm-hmm. you know it's not just one or the other they, they can experience both and they're still trying to figure out who they are yeah that show again it's like he it's like uh john and and Kroll, it they tap into like that kind of nostalgia about being too heavy-handed in a way like like especially with that show too but uh yeah thanks uh yeah, Big Mouth. It's really, really good. Yeah, like Matt says, it is. T- it does feel timeless. Like it feels like it could have been set during the '80s or now or whatever. Yeah. Like some of those things are just universal. Like that lack of information and yeah, they don't touch on like they don't use social media as a writing as like a tool for them right. to learn. Like it's all about like going through experiences through human interaction as opposed to like you know watching a music video and he said this and then getting turned. Like it's all about like how kids and and even the adults sometimes in the show like you yeah. see how they react to each other that it's just universal like you're everyone's going to go through that no matter what time period you're in man this reminds me of another thing when i was in grade school um there was a video that was brought in that was supposed to teach us everything we need to know about sex and i wasn't allowed to watch it because i guess they thought i couldn't handle it this is probably like Wait, who? uh the, the the teachers at the school oh. i guess oh. uh it, we, it was like a film strip we watched we were supposed to watch so i was in grade five or six so i was like 10 or 11 i guess and uh yeah i was like in a small group of kids who had to like go sit in another room and not watch it because they didn't think we could handle it and uh i remember when people came out they were saying it was like cartoon rabbits and stuff and like there was a song oh a God. penis is the right word not wiener or dink or something like that like it was like, <laughs> <laughs> like just the funniest thing like it, it was just so goofy and i love, I'm when, still they try sad I those, I love when they try and make those things actually silly and it just yeah. just takes you right out of it oh, whereas yeah. like big mouth you get the shame wizard which sounds stupid on paper but i'm like oh god this is this is too real right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you start going winky dinky rabbits i'm like i'm good <laughs> i'm just gonna let my mom bring a book to me and walk away <laughs> like do you guys remember learning anything i was literally in, that. in school oh not uh, was it not really School? I don't. Any of you guys were? I was in public school. Were any of you guys in? Yeah, uh, public school. I was in public elementary school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I went to Catholic school first. I was in Catholic school from kindergarten to grade 
three or four, and then that was when the building, like, they stopped becoming a Catholic school, and then they changed to public. So the building stayed oh, wow. the same. But then they just, like, I remember, <laughs> we were just so excited that we didn't have to wear a uniform anymore. Yeah. Like, it was always a white shirt and black pants, which was insane, because we were kids. <laughs> yeah. And we are literally covered in stuff all the time. Like, you're just coming home with chocolate milk stains and chip. Like, it was just so stupid. Then when we could wear, when I wore a Pokemon shirt for the first time at school, I <laughs> lost my mind. Like, it was yeah. just the best. So was your chapel converted to, like, a cafeteria with just no, nice, no, they nice still got the church there, but it was just yeah. like, but it did change. But I don't remember. It's so funny. Like for me, I don't feel like I remember any class or anything like that. But I did come home one day, like in high school, I think no junior high or whatever, the twelve or thirteen years old. And I just came home. And there was just a book on my bed about it all. <laughs> that was, that was my, my experience. Yeah, and then my yeah. dad at one point drifted into the room and was like, "So, do you have anything to talk about?" And I'm like, "No, yeah, and go away." Yeah, and he's like, so, "Cool, yeah. I'm done." So I grew up like my mom. My, I was a, my my mom raised me, and my sister by herself, and I had like so my dad, and my grandfather's all passed away when I was young. So it was just like a lot of aunts, a lot of grandmothers, a lot of sister, mm. a sister, two sisters, sorry, and a co- a bunch of cousins that were women. They're like, I think oh, wow. they were just looked at like, "What are we gonna?" Ryan is a, <laughs> I don't know, just a book, and then like. Yeah, and then I just came on with a book and it was just and I just went yep that makes sense and I picked it up and read it and I was like that's what right. I got it all from no eye yeah. contact needed no eye contact <laughs> needed stared at the wall in the book yeah, what about you Courtney do you remember um, we had like a health class that I mm. vaguely remember going through like basic anatomy type stuff and like mm. definitions of mm. very clinical things for right. like in junior high um, my parents never ever talked about it ever we yeah, just did same. not we were very my family is very uh, religious and so they were like well you'll learn about it at school and church when it's too late you'll learn about yeah. it yeah <laughs> I mean, we weren't supposed to like like they were like pro abstinence and stuff like that oh, like pro life oh, pro yeah, abstinence wow. and all that stuff wow. so it was like you don't talk about that stuff so I had to you know my friends uh, had big mouths and were able to tell me a lot of stuff and then um, <gasps> now I get where the name of the show comes there you from go. <laughs> <laughs> there it that, is that's why when I watch that show it feels like uh, it feels like oh I wish that I mean I, I don't assume children watch that show but right. on some level it's almost like it's such it good sex ed yeah. though but think about yeah. it if you watched I was 13 12 watching South Park when I clearly yeah, shouldn't yeah, have so it, sure. be, it being on Netflix I'm sure oh yeah I'm, I'm sure, sure it almost helps do. that it's an animated show that there are going to be kids that there probably are because that watch so, that though. and are going to be better because of I it. I think so because it's just we're very trying to real. kill their friend Kenny every <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's know. very it's funny and smart and like just so real. And I just like I when I watch yeah. it, I'm like, oh, I wish I had something of this like kind of resource when I was younger because I didn't. And I yeah. went to Catholic high school and they didn't talk about stuff like that either. I so know. no. <laughs> Catholic? Where'd you Where'd you go to high? Where? Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I had a similar experience to to, to you boys. Uh, I wasn't given a book, but I found a book uh, in the uh-oh. bathroom one day uh, <laughs> oh, no. in the cupboard called "Talking to Your Children About Sex." Oh, and um, I, that's, that's better than the books of my father's that I found in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I, well, that's I, another I, show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I read that book cover to cover. It was like, if your child asks this question, here's the answer, and that's how I learned. I was the adult and the child in the scenario so it's very That's odd so funny. Yeah. I, I, my parents had that you know remember that 1970s joy of sex well, like with the there's joy of sex the, the everything you always wanted to know about sex but we're afraid mm-hmm. to and ask they just, like, they just left it out and I'm like ah uh, oh, like I, I'm a kid I'm gonna look and I'm like Start, start for life. I felt like most of my experience was like the book. Obviously, I did read it, but like it was a lot of it was also kind of like Big Mouth, where like 
you and your friends talked about it mm-hmm. and like you kind of mm-hmm. like learn through them and like their experiences like just talking yeah. about it and be like so i got hair here and then you're like what like, like there was a lot of that for me growing up because like again i didn't have a proper talk but it was a lot like the sh- kids in that show like that's you really learn a lot from just other people experience and just hive mind i'm just remember, like they just take what you got what you got and like oh that just what merges that into yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you just reminded me i totally forgot about it this one guy chris in grade five I was sitting with my friend Jody and, and him, and he just he said uh, one day out of the blue, just smiling, I have a pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, just to best him, I was like, I have seven. <laughs> and, uh, and then Jody's like, wait, you sit there on the toilet? Like, one, two? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, there was only two approaches Weird. to it, too, was either shame or confidence. Totally. Because like, it was like some people would be like, they would like as a kid, I remember there was some people that like would brag about things like that. Yeah. And then they were like, I don't want anyone to know about my one pube. Like it was just right. like Yeah. <laughs> and with Mulaney too, like it's you know, you come from a religious family, you went to Catholic school for it. It's it's interesting because he brings his his upbringing into yeah. his material mm-hmm. so much that you know his Catholic heritage and it's like yeah, my my wife who she she went to Catholic school all the way through and she loves his jokes and she has a very sort of similar sense of humor where it's like I, I'm curious how much that Catholic upbringing informed his humor mm. uh, where it's like where there's there's a rebelliousness to it yeah um, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's still well, it's still polite yeah. it's still it's yeah. there, there's still that Catholic guilt yeah, yeah. that's yeah. sort of built into it from from. Yeah. He acknowledges it, like with yeah. the reference to like you know I make fun of it a lot, but whenever I hear Bill Maher say, "Who's going to believe in the man in the sky?" He's like, "My mommy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's that it's that that interesting uh, thing where it, it, like, like geeks are like that too. Or uh, you were talking about something similar to that uh, about being a goth. Yeah, how yeah. Uh, you can make fun of something that is your own, but if someone else yep. yeah. makes yeah. fun of it, you defend it's it. Defensive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to draw from your own experiences because like, yeah. then because that's not his style is to make fun of necessarily other people. It's always detriment to him. He's always self deprecates without mean. being too like heavy handed mm-hmm. about it. He's not like I'm so ugly. Like it's no. more clever than that. Yeah. But well, like like again, the horse in the hospital. Even when he's angry at somebody, in that case, it's you know yeah. Trump. It's like it's never that tangerine monster or whatever something no. like even no. he also never says said. his name i believe he doesn't say his name no, once once, it, which adds one. so much strength because there is strength in trump's name as soon as you say right. it it's like we'll edit that out it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like just by not saying his name because it's that's that's what he likes he likes yeah. when people talk it gives about him it power. it does give him power and it's such a funny joke because it's like it's like by not saying his name is the biggest fuck you because it's yeah. like you know yeah. if, if you know if if someone showed him that clip, like you, this guy made fun of you, and he's like so sensitive, he needs to watch it. But the fact that, like, it probably confused him. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he wouldn't have got that. Am I the horse of the hospital? Yeah. Am I the horse of the hospital? My hooves are the nicest horse. When is the king coming? I assume I'm the king. Yeah. But I thought that was my favorite part of the joke is that we never hear oh, his name great, once, yeah. but it's just, mm-hmm. we know. Yeah. And if you can connect with your audience and like mm-hmm. tell, like make them think what you want to think, and it makes you feel like I, like it makes you feel smart listening to the joke. It does. Yeah. He's really good at making you feel, without pandering, like making you feel like you're, we're on the same you're page. You're on something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all in a, it's like we're in a little club about this conversation and talking. Well, he also mm-hmm. clearly references, uh, I love that joke so Obama, much. Obama, but doesn't say his name, but 
He just right. says the last guy was pretty smart and was good at his job. Yeah. Like, yep, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's him. Yeah. We know he, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. He lets you make the click in your head. Yeah. And, and that's like, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing. When you write a good joke that makes the audience do that eye widening, like I know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about and make them like that synapse that happens. That's yeah. like one of my favorite little connections. it takes guts connection as a comedian get. to give your audience that much credit, like mm-hmm. to, to not... Uh, spell it out for them because the yeah. biggest fear is that they don't get it right yeah right. and i think a lot of comedians underestimate their audience or and it's much more fun i i used to do a sketch comedy and like we always said if we get one laugh this stupid math joke is worth putting in we weren't trying to appeal to absolutely everyone for every single mm-hmm. joke i mean that's great when you feel that but sometimes it's it's okay to tell a joke that's only for a few people yeah and and then you then we're often surprised by how many how many people do laugh at that thing that you think no one will mm-hmm. laugh at. Yeah, it's like probably one of my favorite jokes of all time. It's really yeah, it's a great yeah. analogy, and, it, yeah. and like you said, Courtney, no no word wasted. It's just such a yeah. beautiful yeah, metaphor and, yeah. and story. He says exactly what he wants to say. I, I remember thinking, I can't remember now. I feel like after that, the show ends on a bit of a low note. It doesn't end on a, a huge joke. I can't remember. Well, now well like he gets petunia and the like that turkey bit with petunia. Where his that wife was such is. a huge bit, and then yeah. he ended on he ended on um, being in church and his dad lifting him up and being oh, saying, "God can't it. hear you." Yeah. Right. It does seem like a low note. It still it like works. Yeah, it's but fine, it's not but it's not, it's not like best. the climax of no, the. Well, it's like no. a new town uh, where he talks about the doctor, and he's like, and he's like, and he was wearing glasses to show that time has passed, and that's mm-hmm. what he ended on. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is like, because I was, I do, no, I've, I've noticed that some of his bits do not end on the big. Sometimes it's like Most any showcase set, you want to mm-hmm. end on the biggest laugh. Yeah, you're walking out on a high night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of ends on organic notes to the story yeah. like it's not necessarily the funniest part it's the part that goes that that this is the only way this was going to go here mm-hmm. and it's just and it wraps everything up in a beautiful way that that's not necessarily funny but you're like i get like it makes sense i was recently talking to mateo lane um about just we were chatting about comedy and mm-hmm. for the show name and drop name drop yeah <laughs> but uh i we talked about what his favorite album was and it's uh Ellen DeGeneres is here now. Oh, interesting. So I'd watch that from because I used to watch her yeah. when she was like making her up and coming comic, and, mm-hmm. and when she was on the Ellen Show when I was in like university. But then I was sort of like I didn't really watch her special because it's sort of like after the the sitcom, I was like, eh, I'm done. I, mm-hmm. I I I know what she's gonna do, and it was watching it. I was like, I was like, wow, this is really an amazing. Joe, like she's amazing. Like I'm like, okay, this reminds me why she's such an amazing comedian and why she's so good. Because, but this is like that. She sets stuff up in the first couple of minutes of of her set, and then like an hour later, pays it off, and it all feels organic. Mm-hmm. And it's and John Mulaney's a lot the same, a lot mm-hmm. like yeah, that, where yeah. it does, nothing feels forced, and the, like there's an economy in his comedy sorry i just i just thought of not funny <laughs> yeah, not funny uh, but, but yeah there's an economy there but it's 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 it it always it feels natural it feels like you're engaged and having conversation or it yeah. doesn't feel like okay this is a a guy who's you know spent with who he where he has obviously spent time working on and refining and finding that perfect uh I, I callbacks especially man like a yeah. a good organic 
beautiful callback is so hard to do, like to to not wait too long, but to wait long enough, and yeah. it comes out of something else, but organically refers oh, to the thing. Yeah, the like perfect one, the genius one with the Victorian robe, where he's yes. like, that's oh, man. a disaster. That's so good. We forgot so about good. that. Yes. That was the first joke in yeah. the whole spe- special, and then later, and that joke wasn't even about that story no, in there was any no tra- way and the then all of a sudden he's just done. wearing this oversized shirt and like was I was there ever really a ghost or was it just me <laughs> yeah. that's so crazy it's that beautiful. he even tied that together I was just going to say it's a, a little longer I think than a lot of people mm. would wait for something like that yeah. he trusted that mm. they remembered and it, and it killed I think there's mm. a, I think there's like an exact math equation to how long ago mm. the callbacks made to <laughs> to how specifically this callback attaches to this joke it's mm. definitely just this math equation that's just like you just attach that to a thing like <laughs> gonna get a big laugh like it's perfect <laughs> but everything in between has to work too like it, oh, of it's, course, yeah. it's all a momentum especially right? because that joke didn't even need that callback no. it wasn't written for it it I just know. worked so perfectly it's like he it's almost like he had two two halves of a story and just yeah. decided to split it up and it just divides perfectly in two perfectly acts or something. in two yeah. different ways. Yeah. yeah. So amazing. Do you, you ever write a joke and like you find something funny that you retroactively write something to call back to? Like, do you ever like mm. do that? What do you mean? So like, like for example, like you say something on your set, maybe you write later and then like, Oh, I'll call back to this. But like, have you ever written something and then like plant a seed earlier retroactively to, to make a callback happen? You ever done anything like that? I don't mm. know if I have, I'm not sure if I can think of a time that I've done that. Have you, yeah, do you do I, that? I've done that. Like, and it's, it's like just to like, but you know what sucks? Every time I do do that, it doesn't really work because I've just been like, this is really funny. Maybe if I drop something here yeah. and then like, but then like, it's like, uh, it's like you can hear the shoehorn thing from earlier, which I've okay. come to learn. Cause it's like, uh, I'm not, I don't know a specific example, but like, I have this, oh, so I have this joke about, uh, where I say I grew up a lot of dad and like with father's day cards it's so it's so awkward and the big laugh is like and i set up that basically i say earlier in the set that uh, you know i always failed at them because i you know i always couldn't color i kept spelling father wrong and and like i was I, you know and so i dropped stuff like that and then later i say you know my uncle will get two father's day cards every year card number one dear dad your best dad in the world steven card number two hey Derek, keep the good, the good work steven's a good kid p.s i miss my fooder so the fooder, <laughs> so the fooder thing but I, that joke always ended with father and then yeah. it just was whatever. Oh, but then I was like, and then I thought about like, the, like I was like, but then there wasn't anything about how I was bad at cards. So then I added that to get to saying, dropping mm. earlier that I'm bad at spelling father. But if you listen to that, like, I don't do that joke as much anymore because mm. like the father thing, the, it's, the, that didn't get a laugh. So I'm not okay. calling back to something that's okay, laugh. It's just gotcha. calling back to information. Right. So it's like yeah. putting information in. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say is Did don't it work do <laughs> so, so it didn't work. So you're not getting a daytime Emmy no, for, no, no, uh, for this? No, 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 not for this. Sorry yeah. to hear. No, no, it worked out. It does have a laugh now because I've edited it okay. before. But it's like, but it does like you got. That's the thing about like that's why I love John Mulaney so much because it's so crisp and makes it makes you want to be a better writer. It's well crafted. Yeah. Right? yeah, I would like I would love to just watch his process. No. For, like how he yeah. builds his material because you, know, like, you look at the stuff that he's responsible for on SNL, like Stefan. Mm. Right. Where and that is that that's almost like an an insider joke between him and Bill Hader of their own kind of like aristocrat situation where it's like every week he would just change up the material yeah right before it goes and Bill wouldn't know until that's why he was crying sometimes because yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. new cue card jokes without yeah. telling him and exactly. then he just come up that's why he did those pauses yeah he was reading the cue card going and it's like and it's like I want to know his process I want to watch how he builds his material because he's yeah. it's so finely crafted it's just yeah. really interesting did you see him, the 
SNL he hosted last year? Yes. Do you remember the sketch with the lobster? Dinner? Yeah, the, the, the thing they, they basically let him do sketches that he wrote that they wouldn't they reject do. it because he has yeah. the power oh, now nice. to do it. So but funny. it's funny watching a sketch like that and even thinking about the jokes he wrote for Stefan because when you watch his stand up, like it's fairly clean, but like he does mm. talk about some darker stuff and some like also other gross stuff, but like he has a style within himself. Yeah. Whereas like, I'll watch a sketch that, that say he wrote and I'm like, he wrote that. Cause yeah. it's just like, there's definitely totally. a weird little dark part in his head. That's like, every mm. now and then he's like, he, I'm going to call Kroll. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> that's why he has Kroll as his friend. So he yeah. has that little like avenue to explore that part Speaking of his mind. Speaking of Kroll, I'd love to segue now into getting your thoughts on, Oh, hello. Have you guys all seen that? I have not. I unfortunately have not. No. It's one of those okay. things that's always on my list. I and know. it's because I like to watch comedy like with a couple of people. Like I, yeah. like, I, cool. I, like, I like watching stand up by myself but at the same time. Like I got to, I, if I know my girlfriend's going to be home, I'd like to watch it. Cause I feel like it's fun, more it's fun to laugh thing, with a bunch sure. of people. Yeah. Like, if you watch an episode of the Simpsons by yourself, you're going to be quiet. But if you watch it with three people, even if it's an old, you'll, you'll, you'll notice that's that people will true. laugh together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't want, but Oh, hello's on my list, but because it's not like a traditional stand up show, yeah. it's a little harder to pitch to my friends who either aren't comedians or people have already, all my comedian friends have friggin' seen it. So it's mm-hmm. like, I've, uh, started yeah. and stopped it a few times. To- I can't get through. <laughs> I, oh, really? It's not for me. I can't, oh, I can't that, that, stand but conversely, it. Conversely, oh, I so love funny. it. Yeah. A lot of people love it. A lot of fans I'm not a huge Nick Kroll fan, to be honest. Oh, okay. Uh, probably cut that part out. But uh, <laughs> I love Mulaney, and I like some stuff Kroll does. But yeah, this thing, these characters they play for yeah. like 90 minutes, it's just, it's, I find it insufferable. It's very it. much a love letter to a very specific subset of New Yorkers. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the comedy and the setup and like it's it there's there's inside broadway jokes not even just like inside new york yeah like I mean, specific to broadway i think it deserved definitely. a sketch but <laughs> that's it uh, i get what they're doing maybe even a callback maybe they could do a recurring sketch they could do it twice five ten minutes tops but man uh yeah Man. I don't know. I, yeah, we'll have to do a, a recap so another time. It's so crazy that some people love things. <laughs> some people <laughs> hate. I know. So- well, I, you know, it, it's it's like you're saying though. Like you're saying, uh, you're surprised at some of the stuff he wrote, and I mm-hmm. feel like almost everything that Melanie's attached to, I enjoy, except this one thing. Yeah, uh, right. I just can't. I can't get into it all. Well, it's like, but remember, well, it's so funny. Now we go back to what we like and do and hate about someone's career. I love John Mulaney, but I tried watching one episode of Mulaney. Oh, uh, yes. With Martin Short as his father, yeah. like the Fox show. Did you see any of that? Yeah. It is Did it tough. make it past? No, it got canceled. One season. Right. One season. Oh, my wife loved it. She loves Martin right. Short. She loves Mulaney Short. I love Short. Who can't? Yeah, but like, this is the kind of sitcom they don't. Almost don't make anymore. Yeah, it, it was so. a very old fashioned. Yeah. And, and like the entire cast, every single person in there on that show on their own is somebody whose work I enjoyed. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Like when you heard the announcement, especially consider that like Seinfeld's clearly a huge influence on him. Oh, yeah. So the idea of having his the own sitcom based huge. on his life with his like, notice how Mulaney, the show, the name of the show is his last name, right? Yeah. Which is like mm-hmm. Seinfeld. Oh, and yeah. it's all about like his, his growing being like a comedian. Like, like it's very much his love letter to the shows he watched growing up mm-hmm. that he wanted to do, but it just didn't translate well. No. Even some of the scenes like i think in the pilot they do the joke remember we're like uh, the doctor getting a, 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 a the finger in him and he's like oh yeah. like he like he saw that as a 
thing in TV, and I remember going, oh, no, this is a stand-up joke. Like, it just didn't translate. Right. No. And it's so weird, because like, like you said, there were so many people coming onto that show. I was jumping, and I was so stoked, and I saw the pilot, and I was like, yeah. woof. At comedy, I argue that you do got to let it breathe. Like, if you watch the first season of Parks and Rec, it's not that great. No. It's oh, not that – it's a little actually tough to watch. But once they know the they characters the and grow, and they, they find the group, but Mulaney was – yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it tanks. It's, it was tough. It was tough. I didn't yeah. get past the second episode. But it seems like he was hip to that very early on, right? Like yeah. he was just like, "Oh, this flopped." Yeah. yeah, which is like unfortunate, but also cool that he like bounced back from that. Yeah, some people saw him bounce back from that. Way. Yeah, well, yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think that may be his time as a writer at SNL because yeah. you either you either learn to deal with rejection fast, yeah, or you don't last in that writer's room. Yeah. And, uh, He's also not a jerk that went around blaming everybody no, else for yeah. the show. Yeah. 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 It was like, yeah. this show's bad. That and goes a long way going. in this business. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Accountability mm-hmm. oh my God, is yeah. huge. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think I think that's when, after that got canceled, correct me if I, I might be wrong on this, but then his second album, his second special yeah. came out. So I think mm-hmm. he just wasn't the kind, he just doesn't seem the kind of guy, again, by handling rejection, that he just immediately puts his nose to the grass and just start working on the next thing, as opposed mm-hmm. to wallowing in self-pity about, woe is me, my show got canceled. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I just don't know if he's, his personality is the type of guy that fits a standard sitcom. I mean, these days, I feel like we really, uh, TV gravitates to that very edgy characters yep. that, yep. you know, we're still sort of riding that mid 90s edgy comedy yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing and, and and now these days it starts to be turning around where people who are actually pleasant on stage and people yeah. that you'd want to have a coffee with are now telling jokes yeah. and things like that but they don't always work into the modern television uh landscape as it is right well, now yeah, i guess like with john mulaney so there's a back in like the 90s there was sort of like this almost revival of the wall of sound kind of music so you had bands like Cinerama or the Divine Comedy, where it had that sort of like big bombastic horn-driven yeah. vintage music kind of thing, um, and John Mulaney's kind of like that for comedy. And in a way, I kind of feel like maybe I don't know if maybe there are more voices like that, where it's like going back to like classic style of telling jokes, like getting like being a comedian and, and getting mm. up on stage and telling jokes. Not and there's nothing wrong with it. like every type of comedy has its value i I, I Mm. like it all but i I kind of find like you know there's there's it's interesting how he seems to be hearkening back to a a, like a golden age of comedy yeah in in a way after you know especially in the midst of this big boom that seems to be sort of like at its peak with with like the alt scene yeah you know we've had 20 years of people just walking up on the stage in t-shirts like they just sort of came off the street and go okay here's my stream of consciousness but this guy's like no i am a professional presenter and Mm -hmm. i've worked on this stuff and it's gonna be good and it shows and it's fun yeah i like what you said about that because uh one thing i always liked about john laney is that like i'm really bad at comparing myself to other people which i know you're not supposed to do but we all do it (laughs) and especially when i'm watching like like i'll see a friend kill at comedy bar or at yucks who's like very alt or and i say to myself Man, should i start doing stuff like that like i get the bad habit of doing that mm-hmm. all the time but it's like but then you like go and do a set and have fun and you just be yourself and you do a good set like you just got to lean into who you are yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like and that's what i think i love about john Lee is that he's not really that special 
Like he's not like him as a person. Like he's there's nothing mm-hmm. crazy different. He grew up Roman uh, Catholic, and he, clearly there was some oppressed things that he couldn't speak about. But he's just like when you look at a guy or any person, like it feels like now comedy has to be like sometimes to me, especially with Alti, you have to be either super super weird or like mm-hmm. have such a niche point of view. But like he's just talking in a way about himself that's just so relatable mm-hmm. that like sometimes people think if you're so relatable it's hacky, but it's like at the end of the day it's just funny. And if you're just smart and clever, yeah, that's good. So like I find him very inspiring to be like. It reminds me just be myself and lean into that because well, because it, yeah. it can be so hard to to try what other people are doing. But it's also polished. Oh, it's so it, polished it, uh, in yeah. a way that I think yeah. a lot of comedians who just want to be themselves aren't. They're, you yeah. know, they they don't have that the the, the presentation. And I, I feel like that's just who he is. He's yeah. well spoken and chooses his words carefully. Yeah. And he makes he. I mean. A lot of us sort of like divide our comedic persona into like I'm a writer learning to have more of a stage presence or right. I'm like a performer. Like we have we know a lot of people who are like so they're such performers that it doesn't even matter what they say sometimes. Yeah. It's like they've right. got such energy oh, yeah, and they're yeah. telling jokes and you're like, you're yeah, making this work and you're, yeah. if you had this on paper, it's not even that right. profound or anything, right. but you're making it work. And so I think he's like found the perfect balance of like writerly, but also he's found that persona that works on stage that for him sense, and it's just yeah. really polished. It's interesting to see uh, comedians. I mean, I don't know his trajectory before before uh, before Saturday Night Live. I assume he was also a stand up, but it's interesting to see people succeed as writers and then become like yeah. Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Like to me, is the most amazing example. Like you know, he did a couple of cameos in Saturday Night Live, but he was a writer, yeah. and then to be given that show and then have that weird comedic voice and presence is, mm-hmm. is that, that been article he wrote the, the one about the albums he loved uh, no 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 uh, John oh, Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I read that too yeah. and uh, there was one album I can't remember which one but he said that was the one that made him want to be a stand up and he said he was like 21 or 22 at the time and I was like because it's so funny because I feel like especially like how long I've been doing it and friends of I've been doing it like that's kind of when I started too but I see so many people who are like so successful that are so young that sometimes you're like oh but then like but that young person started when they're like 16, 15 mm-hmm. so everyone puts their time in yeah. which is really interesting to me because it's like sometimes you got to think perspective of, of everything because he was in school and then he started at the end of his school he started to become a comedian so I thought that was really interesting yeah yeah I you want to hear something so infuriating that I read about him? Uh, yeah. This is like endearing and infuriating at the same time. <laughs> I read uh, I read an article. I think it was in Vulture. It was like a debriefing of that podcast that he did called The Good Ones or whatever, where he's breaking down his favorite joke, uh, his own favorite joke and why it works and oh. stuff like that. And uh, they asked him, like, what's the worst you've ever bombed? And his... <laughs> His story of the worst he ever bombed was he did this gig where he was doing all his best jokes and people were just like not responding to it. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, people don't like me. And he got really dejected. And then the guy who he was touring with pulled him aside and was literally like, John, like, you're too clever for these people. You need to dumb it down a little bit. Like, they just don't (laughs) get you. Like, you're on another level. Like, you got to bring it to be less. I think, like, the main advice was, like, you need to be less tangential and, like, long-winded and like less wordy and stuff but like ultimately it seems like he was saying you're too much of a genius for uh, anyone on this planet uh, to comprehend you need to come wow. down to that's funny <laughs> he kind of reminds wow. me in a way a lot of um, Jim Gaffigan and they'd be in, really in, 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 in despair with me in that in that you know he, he defies expectations in a lot of ways mm. like as and with Jim Gaffigan, it was like watching his TV show, which John Mulaney was on. 
just like randomly bump into each other on the street in New York. And there was kind of a rivalry between them, Mm. but they both are, you know, they both have a similar upbringing. They both have, it's, it's, it's the more the counterpoint of two people from a similar starting point ending in very different locations. Mm. And, uh, you know, and Jim Gaffigan, when Mm. he, he, his material is, again, squeaky clean. It's, it, it never, he, on stage, he never, like strays from that, but yeah. off stage and in and other like his TV shows, like that went places that I would never have expected it to go, and, and mm-hmm. it sort of shows a mm-hmm. depth there. And then so, and so that, that's where I find like there's a parallel in a way. Whereas, it's interesting to think of you know the how comedians find success by sort of through a a narrow focus in their voice, but they all they actually have a much broader voice and they 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 Mm. want to do different things and darker things but uh do you guys feel like you have to narrow your field to be successful like to do sort of one thing do you do you feel like you have a style or a a persona that is specific uh you want to go first um i don't feel that i have to but i feel like i've spent a large chunk of my career trying to find what works for me best Mm -hmm. i definitely know now what makes me feel like i'm being the most authentic on stage Mm -hmm. and um i'm only in the last year realizing that um it's when i'm like uh cheerfully angry like (laughs) like kind of ranty a little bit and just get like saying things that get me riled up and like kind of yelling but in a way that's not actually mad Mm -hmm. um that works a lot for me um but i don't feel like pigeonholed into or obligated to find i'm sure some people do though i don't know what what about you i kind of like i i'm kind of similar like i'm i'm uh like we i think we've been doing almost the same amount of time yeah Yeah, and it's just like i've been doing i was i'm 28 now and i started really doing stand-up when i was like 22 23 22 Yeah, yeah 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 and it's just like I feel like uh, same thing, just constantly trying to figure out what works for me still. Mm. Like I'm still only a baby, but like there's like there's times where I will I've recently noticed sometimes when I'm nervous, there's a voice I'll go to that's almost kind of like silly childlike that I'll go for that. I It just crushed a few times at a few things. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that's almost like it, it. But it started to become a crutch. Like I would go mm-hmm. to that if I felt like it wasn't going to work. And I've been trying to get out of that because like it's just doesn't like people have seen you've seen me live it's like i've never seen you perform like that before it's different but then mm. like like uh I, we had our showcases last night for all the fests mm. and uh like i'll be honest i didn't have the best showcase fest i've i've ever had it was definitely not one of my better ones but like i listened to it because i recorded my phone and it was because i was nervous and i went into that kind of whatever voice mm. and i and i felt so dumb because i was like why don't i just go do what i usually do and then the other night i did comedy bar someone show I don't know what it was two nights ago and I did the exact same set mm-hmm. but I just went up I had like a half a glass of wine in me and an empty stomach I was like I'm just gonna have fun mm-hmm. and I just was myself and the set went really well but it was yeah. the exact same set and I was yeah. like this should have been my showcase set why didn't I just mm. do my thing and just go what I and just be myself well it's the hardest thing about an artist right like you want yeah. to do well yeah. but you also get bored <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, maybe yeah, but I think I love it had to do with the showcase aspect because it was yeah, just okay. like this is so much pressure than I need to do the well. Feel, the feeling and the delivery of it, you yeah, know, because right. if you're doing the exact same set and you obviously chose that as your showcase set yeah, because it right. has been working, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, you yeah. get into certain mindsets and sometimes you you try to like pull yourself out of it. Sometimes it's just yeah. too late, and that's yeah. okay. But yeah. like, yeah, 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 you definitely happens. know the difference. You're like, oh, I I can deliver this in a way that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like a learning thing to be like just 
just just like next year i just know like don't yeah. don't panic just like you know they're your material you've been i've been working on i've been doing that stuff for freaking three months and it's just like i know it yeah. works and then i i just panicked and like anyway so also i i and other people have gotten into big things based on showcase sets that i felt were not great yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah so, so well, well, no, and again like and it's like in most things if i get something that's great if i don't yeah. hey man it's next year it's not the end of the yeah, world right exactly. but uh and uh anyway so yeah so back to like narrowing your voice to whatever to try and fit what you think your stand-up is i think it's always changing and evolving but i think it's i think it's not about finding your voice but learning to just trust yourself yes because yeah. once you start trusting yourself i feel like that's when you do your best when you just go oh yeah. i know this is gonna it's like a confidence yeah, thing yeah. that you just earned yeah it's confidence you've not, earned because the huge distinction is it's not it's not choosing your voice because you can choose whatever you want if you're not actually right. feeling yeah. it that's not right. your voice like i think it's just your voice as you are actually feeling fun and happy and yeah happy to be here calm in the moment and then whatever is flowing out of you that's just what yeah. you're going with yeah. and then right. that's you know it's an extension of you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Or whatever that you is right yeah. some people like you know you look at someone like nick nemeroff and like mm. that's definitely him on stage but like mm. he's not like that necessarily in person but like mm. yeah that's his voice and same yeah. with anybody who's got more of an old thing bob cat goldway like i mean you know sure. like he i've seen him in interviews he's definitely a little bit like that on stage but when he's on stage being like oh like it's yeah, like well, that's a but character it's I a mean, character but, yeah. he, but he learned that that's a character he wants to be and yeah. he trusts it's, that it's him filtered through yeah. that whereas right. like when I put on that, that I was just like a panic moment so it's like just learning to trust yourself and I think mm -hmm. once you have 100% truth to know and that's from years of experience bombing writing mm -hmm. knowing works and then once you just that's when people say what did you find your voice I think that's just a way of saying like do you trust yourself yeah. now right. are you yeah. finally comfortable it. with who you are yeah, yeah. on stage, yeah. On stage. For so, yeah. Sure. that's why you go up as much time as you can yeah yeah. Cool. Uh, okay, we're about ready to wrap up here, but I want to ask you guys, like, uh, who do you feel is sort of a contemporary of John Mulaney? Who do you is there someone that you feel he is similar to? I mean, we talked about how he collaborates with Nick. Who's Crow, younger now coming up? Not necessarily. Oh. Maybe maybe mm -hmm. someone he uh, you know harkens back to or. I feel like Seinfeld a yeah, lot comes back yeah, to me I mean, with he's him. He's sort of yeah. his hero, right? Yeah, I mean, Seinfeld. Yeah. I think a lot of the like the Rat Pack kind of vibe he gives mm -hmm. off. Yeah. Like I think yeah. it's that. Clean, I think he just loves well structured jokes. Because yeah. if you look mm -hmm. at the structure of some of his jokes, like none of them are breaking the mold. Like it's mm -hmm. like it's really a lot of like this is like this, and yeah. an example of this, which is just joke just structure so one on one. Yeah. It's so just so easy to understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think it's like Seinfeld would be the yeah, biggest one. I think I would say so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And do you see? him uh affecting a change at all in the way comedy is being delivered now uh, i would say that he's almost just like modernized like what like what you said like he's very conventional in his joke writing and sometimes like right now it feels almost like that's being phased out a little bit like mm -hmm. even on late night they're starting to introduce more quirky um offbeat characters but he maintains it in a way that's still relatable so i think he's good at upholding tradition in a way that he's still modernizing it he's still making it relatable to this generation but it's still very set up punchline jokey you know yeah, very right. clean cut because you get a lot of like just today i feel like especially with like the like it, i feel like there's like eras where a lot of younger mm -hmm. comedians are trying to emulate the top comic at the time yeah so like mm -hmm. for like when I, when I was 22 23 i remember dane cook was really big so a lot of people were like bro kind of mm -hmm. yelly and then like right. when louis ck was like self-deprecating i'm i'm gross and piece right. of shit right mm -hmm. and it's like so like in terms of like uh truer for some than others yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but i feel like we're i feel like we're just coming out of that whole self-deprecating to the extent that we're gross that it's like it's like uh, I like the idea that he brings forward that like 
because John self-deprecates too, but it's clever and it's smart and it's mm-hmm. joke writing because yeah. you get a yeah. lot of like, especially the open mics, you get a lot of like, I'm a piece of shit. And I'm like, but why? And like, shut up. And then I'm like, 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 that's the end of the joke. And yeah, I'm, like, just, I'm like, that wasn't a joke. Like you actually <laughs> yeah. hate yourself. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that works too when there's a different climate in the world. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. With, you know, with what's happening in the States right now, I think people really want to, it's a cliche, but laugh again yeah. and laugh at fun stuff yeah. and stuff that isn't necessarily political humor and rants and yeah. how horrible a person is like mm-hmm. it brings some sunshine to the stage that's yeah. okay yeah it just shows like just how like just sitting down and doing it putting the pen to the paper mm-hmm. the keyboard and just writing and just working at it and just focusing on it just shows that like that hard work's not going to go out of style yeah that's what exactly. he's showing yeah. hard yeah. work's not going to go out of style yeah you know what i mean yeah. so and i yeah. i as a, someone who considers myself a very written comic i appreciate that and like oh there's an example of someone who's just putting you just putting the work in yeah. writing jokes in a traditional way that's still working that's good right. enough for me to be like oh i'm doing something right i don't need right. to go outside of my bubble to like yeah. be weird or crazy if that's not what i'm feeling because i so i would so yeah i i would to compliment what you said there yeah. like i would say i'm more of a performer so yeah. when i watch john it makes it inspires me to be like a better writer oh, nice. it yeah, makes yeah. me go i need to be a better writer and that makes me like set two hours today to write it makes yeah. me go I'm going to like John Moslin, you know, I meet mm-hmm. up with him all the time and we just like take a look at our jokes and just mm-hmm. like, and just like, I, and I know that I need that to bring me to that next right. level. So yeah. it's like, that's what I like about him yeah. a lot. My thanks to my guests, Courtney Gilmore. She's on Twitter at Court Gilmore, C-O-U-R-T-G-I-L-M-O-U-R. You can see her in her monthly show, So Fresh and So Clean at Comedy Bar. And you can hear more from Courtney in our upcoming one-on-one interview with her. Ryan Dillon can be found on Twitter at the Ryan Dillon, T-H-E-R-Y-A-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. And his brand new stand-up comedy album, Violently Nice, is available now. Thanks again to my co-producer, Matthew Ardill. You can find him on Twitter at The Common Person. And be sure to check out our ongoing collection of interviews and check back soon for our next episode. My guest will be Kat Letwin. We'll be discussing the Maria Bamford album, How to Win. Until next time, this is Jason DeLine. Thanks for listening to Comedy Album Book Club. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.